Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too on demand. So it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. From Barbill in Rochester to my basement in Sal, I believe that's your attic. That's correct. I mean, come on. No, this is Studio Capaccio. What are you talking about here? My Studio attic. Capaccio. Okay. Studio Capaccio and my basement, not Studio Bove, literally <laughs> walked down the stairs in front of a bookshelf. Thank yes. you, everybody, for watching us and listening to us on another episode of It's Always Game Day at Buffalo. Matt Bove, Sal Capaccio here. Before we get anywhere, we want to thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who came to Barbell. They came and said hi to us. We took some pictures with people. The yes. turnout, the support was awesome. It was the first time we've done something like that. We really, really appreciated it. We had some great conversations. We had some great wings. And hopefully, Sal, this could be the start of something we do more and more often because it seems like it was a pretty successful evening. It was great. It was great. I mean, people came by early. They wanted to say hi. Um, you know, they were really awesome just to say to say hi, to come here, be awesome, and uh, to, you know, say, like, hey, we don't want to bother you, but don't worry. Like, we don't mind being bothered. That's why we do this for people like you and to listen to Bill's talk and to talk to us about the Buffalo Bills. Matt and I are both, like we always say, we're people people. We love being around people. We love our jobs. So thank you so much for coming. It was a great night. And again, down the road, maybe we'll have more of these, maybe these meetups, these greetups, and uh, maybe we'll do some on-location stuff. But in the meantime, and also thanks to Bar Bill Rochester for hosting yeah, us. For sure, Rock absolutely. Yeah, I think it's like, like right there where it is. And uh, it's on Empire Boulevard. We'll give them a little love. 1129 Empire Boulevard want to uh, head up there but they they did an awesome job and the food was tremendous as you would expect yeah those cajun honey butter barbecue wings man they never disappoint i was really impressed too i had the lemon pepper wings for the first time and those were also magnificent i very much enjoyed that so that was at the beginning anything else let me say oh let's thank jenna cottrell yes they both joined us and then we were joined Mm -hmm. by our friends Catherine. Fitzgerald of the Buffalo News and Elena yep. Getzenberg of ESPN who came by to say hi and support and we appreciate that and much yes. love to all of them. Yes, very cool. Thank you to all four of you for coming. Much appreciated. You know, we've talked a lot on the podcast. We've got some really, really great people on the beat who cover the Bills and we were lucky for their support. So, like I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, we are back in Buffalo and that is because the Bills next practice on Friday evening is at the stadium in Buffalo. So, what have we learned since we went to Barbell on Monday and now we're at the end of the week? So that is one, two, three practices since we were out at Barbell. Sal, anything in particular stand out now that we are seven days into training camp? We've got a full week of pa- uh, practice in the books, multiple days with pads on, three days with pads on. The time we're recording this, we're actually recording this during the Hall of Fame game. So football season is here. We've got football 
every week from now until mid-February, which is just magnificent. So I think we've learned a couple things, but they're really more confirmation of things we've mm -hmm. already known. But we did get confirmation. Mm -hmm. Let's start with Dorian Williams is not going to factor into the middle linebacker spot. He is a will linebacker. Now, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's off the table as he progresses in his NFL career or even later this season. Maybe something happens where the Bills say, we got to start putting him there. We got to get our best guys in the field. We love what he brings. Or, hey, he has enough now that he knowledge of the defense or an injury, unfortunately. That could happen. But we know now that Dorian Williams is not training at middle linebacker. The Bills aren't going to put him there. And I'll go back to the draft. When they drafted this kid, I said he screams to me to be more of a will linebacker. And I don't know if they want to really put all that on his plate with the mic. And there was a lot of pushback. And then the Bills even said, no, we're going to put him at Mike linebacker. And fans said, see, he's a Mike. But I think that that is what's happening now. I think what the issue is, if you want to put it that way, I, I think the reason why he's just a will linebacker is probably because he is a rookie and you don't want to give him all of this responsibility on his plate where he could just focus on one thing and that's playing fast at the will linebacker spot, sideline to sideline because you have already capable guys in the other spot. Maybe later he transitions there. Yeah, and you know what? I think he can be a special teams contributor in the interim. I think that he's still going to find a way onto the field. It feels like they like his athleticism and they like what he could bring to the table. Learn behind Matt Milano. It's a really good person to learn behind. Doesn't seem like he's going to factor into that um, competition for who's going to replace Tremaine Edmonds. We also have learned and kind of gotten confirmation that it feels like it's now a two-horse race. We talked a little bit on the last episode about Balen Spector. On Thursday morning, Sean McDermott kind of said without saying, this is a job for two people and they're battling for it. And that is Tyrell Dodson and for Terrell Bernard. And the reason he kind of said that was because they have been going through a rotation and it has been very heavily involving those two people. Balen Spector stepped in for a day, but that was short-lived. I think they wanted to see what he brought to the table. He looked very serviceable in that role. Now, it was a practice, so let's not get overboard here. I still think Balen Spector has a chance of making this team. He made the team last year, so yeah. I still think he's got a chance of making the team this year. I would say, though, it is between Tyrell Dodson and it's between Terrell Bernard. I don't know if I would say one guy is ahead of the other guy. I think I would say, just for the sake of familiarity, Tyrell Dodson is probably the front runner at this point, just because he's been on the field more. They know what he can do. We talked about it with Jenna when she was on the last podcast at Barbill. It feels like there are a couple positions where you just need to be a little bit conservative. Yeah. That feels like a position where you can be conservative. You can put the conservative player in Tyrell Dodson next to the really high upside player in Matt Milano and probably get by, especially because so much of that position is kind of being the eyes and ears for the defense. It's communicating the message to the defense. And we know because he has been in the system, that should be something he's capable and can handle. I think the other thing we learned on the other side of the ball is there is truly competition going on between Osiris Torrance and Ryan Bates. And as we spoke about at Barbill, yes. Sean McDermott basically confirmed when I asked him about it at the press conference on Thursday. It's unfortunate to say it this way, but it's true. Ryan Bates' flexibility might actually hurt him in this battle. The Bills mm -hmm. love Ryan Bates' flexibility. That's why he's going to be on the team. He's super valuable. But his flexibility is so valuable that they may say, hey, we don't want him to pigeon be pigeonhole him into one spot. We want to have him available at left guard or right guard or center if something happens, and you just plug him in. Then all week he has to kind of know all three spots, something happened to one of those, 
he goes in. Whereas if he starts at right guard, something happens to Mitch Morris. He has to move over. Torrance goes in. You're actually changing out two spots. The Bills have traditionally always had a player like that. And McDermott even kind of said it today, right? Which was, yes, it, that that is something that we really value. And everybody wants to start, but it also allows you to stay in this league a long time, which is true. And that would be great for Ryan Bates to have the flexibility to have a long career. It feels like that flexibility ensures you a longer career, but ne doesn't necessarily ensure you more starts along the way or more money along the way, because you can do a little bit of everything and you can really make a name for yourself over a decade or a decade plus, but maybe you're never quite good enough to completely lock down a starting job for years. So that's just kind of my take on it. I still think he's very much in this. I think they want to see what Osiris Torrance can bring to the table. That competition feels like it might go even longer than some of the other ones. One of the things that McDermott was asked about today, it was actually a question for me is, is there like a baseline of, okay, we want to know all of our starters by the second preseason game, for example. And he said, no, they just want to know once they have a decision on one, they'll kind of put a bow on that and then they'll move on to the next one. It does not have to be like we make the decision for all of these positions at once. It can be, we'll make the decision for middle linebacker week, you know, in a week, we'll make the decision for cornerback two in three weeks. We'll make the decision at guard the week before the season. It, it could be a little bit all over the place. The only other really true competition we haven't talked about so far is cornerback two. And I feel like that one, there are the most cooks in the kitchen. I feel like there's still a lot of options for the bills Dane Jackson, you have been pretty vocal on the podcast saying you think that right now he's probably the front runner. That was a couple days ago, so we'll see if you still feel the same way. I have said multiple times it would be a disappointment if Kyer Elam doesn't win the job. And then there's Christian Benford, who kind of just continues to put himself into the conversation. I think Dane Jackson in this situation is almost like Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace, they tried to like have somebody come in and replace him. And every, every year, year he just yeah. hung around and was the starting corner opposite Trey and he was serviceable. I will say we are recording this after day seven. This is Thursday. Elam had a good day today. Context also matters. Kyir Elam had an interception on Thursday. It was a pretty blatant hold. It happened right in front of me. It also was on a drill where they were specifically working on fourth downs. So you are throwing the ball no matter what. So you're following along beat reporters and people who are at Bill's practice, and they say, Kyrie Elam with an interception. Yes, sort of, because it looked like a hold from my point. Now, there were refs there. I do not know if the refs called it a holding or if they said it was totally fine. It was still a nice play. He broke in front of a slant route. I think Sherfield was the intended receiver. But there's a lot, there's context here. So it's like, yes, nice play, Kyir Elam trending up, but not like, oh my goodness, lock him into that spot right now because we still got a long way to go. I think there's still the most up in the air with this position battle. Well, I don't know about most up in the air, but I agree with you more cooks in the kitchen. Because um, I, I think the other ones are still up in the air, I guess. That's why. But I agree with you. It really is up in the air. Like there's, it's close. And and I, I've always said Dane Jackson's only the front runner for the, what we've talked about. Like he, they know him, they know his skill set, They know what he brings. It's like McDermott said about, he goes, we know what we can get. We know what Tyrell Dodson is. That's what he said today. And mm -hmm. he said, we just, you know, haven't seen it over 17 games. And could that be the guy? That's what you'd have to have there at middle linebacker. Same thing for the rest of the other guys. Dane Jackson, he has though. Dane Jackson played last year. He played all last year. Uh, I want to go back to the interception. 
See, I thought it was a miscommunication. I'm glad you said that. I didn't realize. Maybe it wasn't miscommunication. What I saw was John, Josh kind of looking. Maybe Josh was throwing his hands up to say it was a hold, not because mm-hmm. it was miscommunication. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that context to it. You know what else had an interception? Dean Jackson. That wasn't that, a hold from what I saw. No, that was that, Josh misfiring. And Josh was, was rolling and mm-hmm. overshot his receiver. And Dane did a great job to track it. Yeah, Josh was rolling to his left along the sideline. He had a receiver not really open, but you could tell he was trying not to run for the first down. So he forced a really bad throw. That's not an excuse on him. It was a bad throw. If he did that in a game, it would have been a really bad decision. I almost wonder, though, if in a game that's one that he just tucks down, rolls himself, runs for the first down, and calls it a day. I think they're almost being overcautious of those situations. After the little injury scare with the Charlie horse on the play that they ran where Josh was hit pretty hard on Monday. So, yeah, that was a really nice play by Dane Jackson, a really bad decision from Josh Allen on that interception. This has been kind of the story the entire training camp. There are good days for the offense and then bad days for the offense and good days for the defense. Then there's a really good day for the defense and it's just back and forth. And I think that's honestly a good sign. I think it would probably be a bit concerning at this point if there was a clear-cut dominant side of the ball. And it's not because the Bills have a really good offense and they should have a really good defense this year. I think they're going to be above average or top of the league in really both of those sides. But, you know, it would be a bit concerning. This is the sign of a good team. Some days the offense looks better. Some days the defense looks better. Day seven, I would say the offense started better. The defense finished a little bit better. That happens. But in those 11-on-11 drills with pads on, there's a lot to like. There's some really, really nice plays. Top of the list. I mean, Kincaid. I mean, D- Diggs is still Stefan Diggs, right? Well, still. Sean always says iron sharpens iron. I think that's what you're seeing on a daily basis out of Bill's camp. Mm-hmm. So real quick, before we move on to something else, let me ask you, after the two interceptions, he had also one from Jordan Poyer the other day. Also, mm-hmm. I mean, Josh has thrown some picks. Any concern there? There's people, we, we, we no. tweet out picks and it, you're right. We put out you know, like, that there were pics, not pictures. And mm-hmm. oh, we X out right now. I guess you have to say it's not Twitter anymore. But oh, um, yeah. put it out there, and there's always the there's always the balance of are you mad because the offense did something wrong and the defense did great? Are you mad because the defense did something wrong and the offense did great? Well, there's been some interceptions. But man, I'll tell you, Jordan Poyer made a great play a couple um, practices ago, and then mm-hmm. Dane Jackson and Josh overfired him. But any concern from some interceptions? Well, it's a buzzword. And it's Josh Allen. So you talk about the thing that he is most often criticized of, and it's the mistakes. And then when you see it happen in the setting, I think people tend to think, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. It's going to like further validate whatever you feel. If you think Josh Allen isn't very good and has a turnover problem, you're going to say, look, he can't even complete passes during training camp. He's throwing interceptions now. If you think that Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL, you're going to say it's training camp. What are you talking about? I am closer to that than I am to its turnover problem because I think now is the time you try stuff. I think now is the time you try and force the throw to the sideline that ultimately gets intercepted by Dane Jackson. I think now is the time where you try and figure out your timing on a slant when Trent Shurfield, and then maybe there's a holding, but whatever happens, it's intercepted by Kyrie Lam. Try those things now. Don't try those in a game when it's the actual regular season. See what you can get away with. So, no, I'm not overly concerned, but I will say 
every year he's got something that he works on. Last year it was putting his receivers in a position where they could get more yards after contact. This year he has said it's about playing smarter situational football. So they are putting an emphasis on protecting the football and not shooting themselves in the foot as many times as they did last year. So that needs to be an area where they're a little bit cleaner. Not a little bit cleaner. I would say significantly cleaner. I think the the baseline in my head for Josh Allen what did, he, what did he have, 15 interceptions last year? Do you know off the top of your head? Take a look at that. You look that up. My, yeah. I'm, well, I can look that up. But I, I would say 10 is too low because of the way he plays, and I'm totally okay with that number. I would say 11 and a half should be his over-under. Yeah, he had 15. He had 14 interceptions last year. He had 15 the year before. I would say going into this season, thank you, Lucas. He just messaged us 14 picks. I would say 11 and a half. That should be the oh. over-under for interceptions for him this year. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, you know, obviously you want as few as possible, but I agree with you that I'm not concerned about it. We have a body of work here that the guy was one of the top MVP candidates over the last three years. So I'm not yeah, really no kidding. a few interceptions in training camp, but I am a little, maybe just wondering about some guys. So let's talk about some guys that haven't really popped the way. Maybe we had expected or hoped. 